Welcome to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundation. This weekly podcast explores how your Christian faith connects to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Well, welcome to Keeping It Israel today. Uh, my name is Laura, and I'm going to be your stand in host for today. Our format is slightly different. Uh, we do have Jeff Feuders with us, who is normally doing the interviewing, but today he's in the interviewee seat. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to your show. Hi, thanks. This is kind of unique. Uh, <laughs> you're you're not in the producer chair today. You're uh, you're actually the host. So, take it away. I'm I'm at your service. Thanks, Jeff. Well, it has been an honor and a privilege working with uh, First Century Foundations. Um, and I have had the honor and privilege of traveling to Israel with Jeff as we film in Israel. Jeff, I just wanted to today talk about your book. I feel like it is such a timely book. I just want your listeners to get a chance uh, to hear you and to hear your heart and learn a little bit more about you today. I would like to first ask you to talk to us a little bit about yourself. Uh, who is Jeff Feuders? Tell us a little bit about your background. I was born and raised in uh, Doseronto, Ontario, which is near kind of the Belleville area, eastern Ontario, on a uh, First Nations reserve. My dad was the pastor there for about 23 years while I was growing up. Um, went off to Bible college from there and got involved in full-time ministry and was a pastor in a number of places, uh, both in Ontario and in the Maritimes. And most recently pastored in Mississauga, Ontario, uh, for about 10 years at a church called Portico Community Church. I was the senior associate there. Um, and all of those years, uh, up until about 2006, so just, just 20 years or so in ministry, uh, I had never been to Israel, never thought about Israel, never really considered it. And so that's that's sort of the background that brings me to uh, the the phase of life that I'm in right now. Well, Jeff, today I just wanted to ask you to tell our audiences that, you know, that moment, like I know you were a pastor for about 20 years before you even really thought of Israel. What what was that first trip like for you and what changed inside of you? I guess I never figured I needed to go to Israel to uh, somehow make my faith more real or, uh, you know, believe in Jesus more. I, I would say to people, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Uh, you know, I, I don't need to go to Israel to make that a reality for me. And I guess it was just something I never placed a priority on. My dad had been a number of times. He had led some tours and he was after me to go. He, every time he would say, you should come. And I would have a reason why I couldn't go. And um, anyway, he was working with us at a church in Guelph, Ontario at the time in, in 06 and wanted to take a tour. And so we said, we think that would be great. We think the people would love it. You should you should definitely do it. And then he said a couple of days later to me, I think you should co-lead the tour. And I was like, oh, man, dad, uh, we're in the middle of a building program. I'm I'm like swamped. There's so many things that are just coming together right now. I don't think I can I don't think I can pull that off. And then I went home and spoke with my wife and um, wives have a way sometimes of of bringing us to center and, and helping us to know what 
the, the, the truth is about what we should do. And she said to me, she said, you know what, I really feel like you should go. And she said, if, if for no other reason, then, you know, maybe this is the last opportunity you have to take a trip like this with your dad. So it wasn't that I didn't want to go on the trip necessarily. It just, um, again, my expectations were low. Anyway, the day came, we got on the plane, uh, we, we flew to Israel, and I really can't uh, describe very accurately what happened. Um, you know, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel when I got there. And when I did arrive, there was a strange uh, sensation, almost uh, comfort or a warmth. And, and I've come to describe it to uh, most people as I kind of felt like I was coming home. And there wow. was this incredible peace that settled over me. And we began to, you know, go on our journey. We began to tour the sites. And as I listened to the guide and stood in places where where Jesus had stood and taught and and learned about the history of, of some of the archaeology in those places and and how uh, it it undergirded the record of the scripture and how that, uh, you know, we can we can know that certain things in the Bible were absolutely true because of what has been found. Those kind of things began to just really kind of settle over me. And so so that initial trip was kind of the game changer for me. I came back from Israel and very soon after that transitioned to a new um, a new post in, in Mississauga. And one of my stipulations when I went there was, if I come, I want to be able to uh, I want to be able to take tours to Israel. And uh, the pastor and I agreed, and we were able to uh, to do that a number of times over the next uh, ten years. And how did um, your experience in Israel? How did that change the way you move forward as a pastor? Did you read the Bible? Did you teach it differently? How did it transform your ministry? Oh, you cannot go to Israel. You can't travel there and experience uh, what you experience on a tour like this, and not read the Bible differently when you come back. It's uh, it's a total game changer. Um, I, I read the Bible now and I'm visualizing a place. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the details of of what's been found in that place and how, uh, you know, that um, the scripture comes alive when you're standing in those locations. And so, yeah, you, you can't you can't teach the Bible the same, read the Bible the same, preach the same. Uh, it does totally it does totally alter your uh, your whole experience around pastoring in the sense that um, everything is visualized now. Hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's really quite something. I remember Danny the Dicker in our last podcast, he was saying that it's like a fifth gospel going to Israel, the actual experience. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that for sure. So then you, uh, began your book praying for the peace of jerusalem did you when did you begin writing this book i began writing that book in uh, late 2016 early 2017. i had had an experience in israel in jerusalem about uh, eight years before and uh, that would be on my second trip to israel in 2008 when um, god met me in a very personal way we were on a 
a little excursion to the prayer tower at King of Kings in the city of Jerusalem. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but I, I came out of that room that night uh, knowing that there was something that God had for my wife and I that related directly to ministry in Israel. I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't know how, how it would ever come to pass. And it wasn't for another eight years before, you know, I got a phone call about coming to First Century Foundations and uh, taking over for uh, Joe Amaral, who was stepping down and working with Clyde and Marion Williamson in a transition of, of leadership of the organization. And we prayed about that and decided to go forward. And it was in the early days of, of that transition where I really felt like I needed to write something that helped people understand why we need to pray for Israel, why we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Wow. And it's just so great because it just, for people who are wondering, it's just such a, um, a helpful tool. Um, one thing that really stood out to me is that um, we, we are supposed to be praying for Israel because it is close to God's heart. Um, can you talk just a little bit more about about that and uh, just how you, I know you've already talked about how you connected with God's heart for Israel while you were there and um, but just kind of walk walk us through uh, someone who just says I don't understand why is Israel important at all to God um, how would you break that down just and condense that for um, for for our audiences I believe Israel is close to God's heart because of the way that God speaks about Israel in the scripture. He um, references Israel as as being his firstborn son, for example. Uh, there's language like that. There's also there's also marital language in the covenant with Abraham that, uh, you know, God is essentially marrying himself to the land of Israel. Uh, the Bible references Israel as being the apple of God's eye. And, you know, that is that is sort of, again, a very sort of intimate, uh, intimate reference. And I think that 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 kind of language has to has to tell us, you know, when he says that that uh, Israel are his people, that that it tells us there's something very important there to God. Now, some people would say, um, Jeff, just to be on, I, I've encountered in my life, people saying, you know, Israel, it doesn't matter. Uh, the new covenant is now with the church. And, you know, that's uh, the old covenant was for Israel. And um, I, I just wondered how you would uh, um, address such a such a statement. Well, it's not something I haven't heard, uh, as I'm sure you know. Uh, it's something that we we come up against a lot in the church, but it's uh, completely and totally untrue. And the reason I believe it's untrue is that a the old covenant was in place to to get us to the new covenant. It was all a part of God's plan to to bring salvation, redemption to the world. And when Messiah came, you know Jesus said this himself in in. I believe it's Matthew 5, where he said, I didn't come to to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to to bring it to to a fuller completion. And so the this doesn't negate what happens in the old covenant. It simply it simply brings it into a, a better place. You know, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, talks about a day that will come when God will will uh, 
you know, bring a new covenant to the people of Israel. When, when Jeremiah is prophesying, he's not prophesying about the church. He's prophesying about Israel. And he says, I'm going to I'm going to bring you to a place of, of a new covenant. I'm going to put, uh, you know, take out your your hearts of, of stone and, and make them into hearts of flesh so that so that the uh, the fulfillment of the law is even greater than the law itself in, in that sense. So I don't believe that the old covenant is, uh, you know, totally gone. I believe that we are in the age of the new covenant, but I believe the new covenant has significance for everyone, including Israel. And uh, I think that's what's important for us to, uh, to help people understand. So replacement theology, could you define that a little bit more simply uh, f for us? Break it down. What exactly is it? Well, replacement theology really uh, very simply is the idea that every everything God promised to Israel was actually intended as a promise for the church. And now in the age since the Messiah came and the church was born, um, the church now replaces Israel, essentially, in, uh, in God's plan for the world. And so um, that has all kinds of damaging ramifications. You know, it, it means, it mm. means if, if we carry that out to the, the fullest extent, that God no longer has any plans for the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, the Jewish people. It means that uh, the land is not important any longer. It, it takes any uh, sort of physical element out of God's plan and spiritualizes it all uh, for the, the church going forward. Um, it's damaging because it also, it also means that, that Jewish people now, if they want to believe in Jesus, have to essentially be Christian. They have to be part of the church rather than remaining, remaining Jewish, but believing in, in Jesus as their Messiah. And um, replacement theologians would say uh, those people need to become Christian. They need to be like us uh, and they can't really be Jewish any longer, which is which is ridiculous. But um, that, that essentially is what replacement theology is all about. And it's scary because it's had terrible, terrible fruit, um, has it not? Like through history. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's let's uh, not let's not go deep into it. But I mean, the 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 early church persecuted the Jewish people uh, horribly. Um, we can go down through history and look at things like the Crusades and, of course, uh, you know, the Holocaust all of which would would in my estimation be products of this replacement theology uh, idea um, many of our church fathers uh, believed bad things about the jews and without going into you know detail or 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 um, you know disparaging any of them uh, go do the research it's uh, it's incredible what some of those people said about the jewish people and as I read the Bible, I, I can't, I can't uh, put those things together. They, they don't jive for me. Uh, God loves everybody, first of all. And so um, his, his heart for us as, as believers can't be any more or less hmm. than it is for the Jewish people as well. 
Jeff, I just wondered if you might be able to talk about one quote that really jumped out to me in your book. It's um, on page 24. You say, when we align with God's heart for Israel, we are really aligning with his heart for the entire world. Can you unpack that for uh, for us, please? Well, I know that there are many references in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, where God speaks of his plans, not just for Israel, but for the nations. And this uh, covenant that he makes with Abraham in the very beginning, he actually mentions the nations. He, he mentions blessing, uh, you know, that, that if, um, if people will bless his people Israel, that they will be blessed. And he also says that Israel's, um, Abraham's descendants will be, be as many as the, you know, the sand on the, the shores of the sea, and that they will be a blessing to the nations. And so this is, this is why I believe that uh, God's plan has always been for the nations. And so his plan for Israel is just a, uh, you know, a foreshadow of what he's going to do with the entire world. God's heart is for Israel, but his heart is for the entire world. And, and his love for Israel is a reflection of that. What did come to me when I was reading your book was just the fact that um, if we align ourselves with God's purposes and his intentions from the beginning of the Bible, right through, you know, this prophetic era that we're living in, you know, we can't go wrong. And if we pray for Jerusalem and focus on what are the things that are God's priorities, um, it just, I feel like it just roots mm -hmm. and grounds and grounds us as Christians. Here's the thing, you know, the revelation talks about the fact that there will be a new Jerusalem and, uh, that, that we will rule and reign with, with Jesus from there, uh, for eternity. That new Jerusalem, uh, Re revelation speaks of it, not as, as, uh, you know, a redesigned or relocated place. It uses the term Jerusalem. And when I go back to what I said earlier about God saying, I've placed my, my name there in, in Jerusalem forever, and that it will be my eternal dwelling place. When, when I think about God's words like that, and then I think about the future, I have to believe that it is physical Jerusalem that, that God is talking about. But but there will be a new city. And it says, it says the new city will come down out of heaven, which means there will be a new Jerusalem here on this earth. I believe that's the ultimate destiny for the city of Jerusalem. And it will be the headquarters. It will be the place from which uh, we will rule and reign with, uh, with Jesus. So there's a lot sort of packed in there, but God has a plan. He has a plan for the people. He has a plan for the land. The physical land of Jerusalem uh, is, is connected to all of this. And uh, there's no other piece of real estate in the world where God has sort of attached his name to. And that's why I believe that all of this is so significant. Awesome. In your opinion, Jeff, what is that role that us, let's say specifically as non-Jewish believers in Messiah, what is our role um, right now concerning Jerusalem and helping her achieve her ultimate destiny? I believe that as believers today in, in North America, for example, and other parts of the world, non-Jewish believers, that um, 
you know, what we are wanting to challenge people to do through First Century Foundations is three things. We want you to uh, intercede on behalf of the Jewish people and on behalf of Israel, that is pray. We want you to invest, uh, you know, give, that uh, we can help ministries and ministry leaders in Israel to to show God's heart and the love of, of Yeshua to the people there in the land. And then we want people to investigate for themselves. We want people to actually go to the land. We want people to learn more about the land. And that's why we do uh, a lot of the media uh, that we do and these podcasts that we do and our television shows because we want people to learn more, to investigate about the land of Israel and about the connection that Christians need to have to, to Israel and to the Jewish people. But as believers, this is what we need to be doing. Uh, That's praying great. first of all. And, and you know, I, I tell people, if you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, if you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, what you need to do is pray for uh, specific people in the land of Israel and in the city of Jerusalem. And we have those people. We already have 70 uh, organizations and ministries, congregations that we have vetted, that we trust, that are doing good work in the land of Israel. And those uh, Israel prayer watches that we send out every two months have prayer requests from each of these leaders that you can pray every single day for wow. a ministry or for a leader in Israel. And know that you're praying for something specific that they have asked prayer for. And so as you as you pray, as you intercede on behalf of Israel, you're truly praying for the peace of Jerusalem and the peace of that land. And, and uh, that's why we focus so much on the prayer element. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, Jeff. Thanks for sharing your heart for Israel and sharing about your book, Praying for the Peace of Jerusalem. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on my show. And uh, uh, thank you for taking the host chair and uh, hey, this could work out. We could do some of these kind of interviews uh, more in the future. But uh, great, great chatting with you, Laura. Well, thank you for tuning in to Keeping It Israel today. I hope you enjoyed the show. It was such a privilege to talk to Jeff about his book, Praying for the Peace of Jerusalem. And if you would like a copy of that book, please go online, www.firstcenturyfoundations.com, where you can order a copy or feel free to order it uh, by telephone by calling one 2800 We would be pleased to uh, assist you. First Century Foundations is a ministry that exists to support the land and the people of Israel and to educate Christians about the Jewish roots of our faith. We are charity and we rely on your generous donations. So if you like this podcast, if you like Keeping It Israel, would you please consider giving? You can visit www.firstcenturyfoundations.com to learn about the many humanitarian projects that we have in Israel and to find out how you can be a critical part of the work that we do. And please don't forget to hit the subscribe button on First Century Foundation's YouTube channel and to like us on Facebook so you can stay connected to us. The land and the people of Israel have a special place in God's heart and a critical role in history. More than ever before, as Christians, we stand with Israel.